Hey, I'm excited for tonight. We're, we're in our final installment of their series entitled The Fault in Our Souls. Who's enjoyed this series? Who, who's liked it? Man, I, I've, I've really liked um, speaking out of this series, um, talking from this series. And um, yeah, I, I really believe God gave me a, a special word for you guys tonight. Hey, if you're brand new, maybe you've never, um, maybe you've never been to church. Maybe you've never been to our church. Just want to say welcome. Thanks for coming and spending time with us. Uh, one of our favorite things in the world is meeting brand new people. We like to tell our new people every single week. It never, ever gets old. We love saying we are here to build you up, not. Yeah, we love you. We back you. Um, actually, Pastor Nick told me today in one of our staff meetings, he was like, man, um, I've literally adopted that saying for my kids. And like, hey, you're not allowed to beat each other up. You're only allowed to build each other up. And so, man, you guys are just like, you're helping raise our pastor's kids. I don't know if you know that, but you are. And um, tonight we're going to be in John chapter 4. If you got your Bibles, turn to John chapter 4. John in chapter 4. This whole series we've boiled down into a sentence. Um, if you're a note taker, you've written this down now probably 12,000 times. But I'm going to give it to you one more time tonight. Our whole series is encompassed in this one sentence. It's this. You have a God-shaped puzzle piece in your heart. Allowing God to fill it is where? Yeah. I feel like any one of you who've been here over the past six weeks can like also preach that one sentence right there. And that's exactly what we want. We want this to be something that like is ingrained in us, that like we constantly think about, we bring back to memory, and it's so tied around our heart. Um, I brought up the toy one more time. Um, what's one, one uh, toy that you haven't mentioned yet, I haven't, that you haven't said when I've asked this question? was one of your favorite toys when you were a kid. What's one of them? Food. That's not a toy, but okay. Unless you're playing with an Easy Bake Oven. Then, okay. Play-Doh? Yeah. Did anybody else eat Play-Doh? Anybody else eat the Play-Doh? Come on, somebody. Why not? And if you haven't, now you're going to. You're going to go home. You're going to go into your little brother, little sister's room. You're going to grab a little thing of Play-Doh. And you're going to eat it. And you're going to be like, that was disgusting. Why did I do that? Oh, well. This was one of my favorite toys when I was a kid. Mine didn't look like this. It was a little bit different. It was plastic. But um, essentially, this is like the picture I want you guys to have in your mind as we're talking through this series and as we're giving you that series in a sentence. That um, you have this, this puzzle piece in your heart that God has created. And, and God has specifically put it there in such a way and in such a shape that only he can fill it. But what happens so often is that we as humans, we go and we search the world and other things to fill that void. And what happens is we start trying to, trying to get, get those shapes to fit where they just simply don't fit. I want to find the cloud one again. That's been my favorite. What is it called? The quadrifoil. There you are, quadrifoil. Quit playing games, Fisher Price. Use a cloud. The quadrifoil is not going to fit into the star shape. And you know what? Like, I feel like I could, if I probably just forced it, it would fit in there. The only problem is, is the quadrifoil and the toy would then be absolutely broken and would be destroyed. And so it is with us in our heart and that God-shaped puzzle piece that we so often try to fill with, with, with other things, with partying, with relationships. And then all of a sudden, we're, we're sitting around asking, why do I feel so broken? Why do I feel so depressed? Why do I feel so alone? And it's because you've tried to fill a void in your heart that only God could fill with everything but God. And it seems like when we allow God to fill that space in our heart, that things just fall into place. Amen? Hey, so we're going to be in... Um, in a pretty long portion of scripture tonight in John chapter 4. Does anybody have their, their paper Bibles? Paper Bible people? If you, have a, uh, if you have the Bible app, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Um, we're going to really be reading a pretty long portion of scripture. We're reading what's... Ooh, we're going to be read, reading from verse 4 to verse 19. How many verses is that? What's 19 subtract 4? Thank you. And then what's 25 to 29? That's... Four, add those. Uh, no math, just the Bible, guys. 
So we're going to be reading a good portion of scripture. Do me a favor. Don't zone out. Don't get distracted. Don't distract anyone. Don't let the rain distract you because it ain't going to distract me. I'm just going to talk even louder over the rain and pray to God that it goes away because apparently the fir- today is the first day of spring and it's raining. Who's ready for sunshine? Sunny days, flippy floppies and shorts. Come on, somebody. Flippy floppies. Don't at me. <laughs> All right, we're going to read verse 4 to verse 19. Here's what it says. He had to go through Samaria. He who? Jesus. Jesus had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sikar near the field that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, his literal well filled with water. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily. Is that how you say that? I read, I read this so many times, and I couldn't figure out, how do you say that word? How do you say it, dude? You don't know? I had a speech impediment growing up, bro. No joke, I had a speech impediment. I had to go to, uh, like, these special classes so they could teach me how to talk right. You guys want to know a couple of the words that I would say wrong? It's very embarrassing. I'm not telling you. I couldn't say jacuzzi. I would say, I would say, kakuzzi. <laughs> I couldn't say, you know, like, it's, it's like um, when it's warm, it's like, oh, it's getting warm in here. I couldn't say the word warm. I would say the word worm. I'd say, it's worm in here. And then my brother would be like, worm in here? Oh, it's free worm in here? Like we're inside of a worm, like in Star Wars? I was like, that sounds awesome. But no, quit being a jerk. Like, I had a very bad speech impediment. How do you say that? Wearily? Is that right? Wearily? Put it up to the mic. Wearily. Wearily. I'm trying to find the spot so I can read it right before the pronunciation leaves my head. Uh, sat wearily, I don't, still don't know if it's right, beside the well about noon time. What time? About noon time. Soon, the, soon a Samaritan woman, a Samaritan woman, a Samaritan woman, remember that, came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said uh, to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. You see how petty she sounds like... I got a bucket, you don't got a bucket, I'm going to have water, you're going to still be thirsty, sir. You don't even have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where, uh, Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will become thirsty again. Not that kind of thirsty, a different kind of thirsty. Literal thirstiness, quenching thirst like Gatorade. But (laughs) those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It will become a fresh bubbling spring like LaCroix within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, said the woman, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I don't, I won't have to come out here and get water. Jesus says, all right, go get your husband, Jesus told her. She said, uh, I don't have a husband. The woman replied, Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands. Everyone go, hold up, it gets better. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. Whoa, all right. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. Skip down to verse number, we're going to skip down to verse number 25. Here's what it says. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Listen to this. Verse number 26. This is incredible. This is pinnacle. This is so important. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then, his disciples, the 12 guys that have been following Jesus around those years, doing ministry with him, the disciples came back. They were shocked. Everyone say shocked. Now say shocked. There we go. Now I'm talking. Now we're talking. Now we're preaching. Talk back to me, man. Give me, give me a little feedback. Let more than just this rain talk back to me. It was, 
they were, they, were, they were shocked to find him talking to a what? A woman. Yikes. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? If you didn't do your daily Bible reading today, you just did. Man, we just dug into a juicy piece of scripture, a very, very, very in-depth um, story, one of my personal favorites in all of the Bible. And tonight, I want to I dig into this. I want to break this down. Tonight, here's a sermon in a sentence for all of you note takers that I love so, so much, and God loves a little bit more than the people who don't take notes. And actually, if you are taking notes, come and see me after service. Um, we are going to go and rent segways this Sunday when it's sunny. On me, I'm paying. We're going to go on a segway ride together through downtown Temecula. Just come find me. And we'll do... <laughs> That's not happening. <laughs> but it'd be cool, right? Have you guys ever ridden a segway? They're crazy. They're faster than you think. They're actually scary. Here's your sermon in a sentence. Tonight's sermon, I gave you the series in a sentence. Here is... The, I gave you the whole series. Here's the sermon tonight wrapped up into one idea. It's this. On your own equals weakness. In relationship with Christ equals completeness. Weakness or completeness. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for who you are and what you are and what you're doing. God, I pray that tonight that you would speak, that you would show up, that you would do what only you can do in this place, God. Um, speak to us. God, bring us back into your presence, God, and back to you. We want more of you, God. Less of me, more of you, God. Get me out of your way so that you could come and you could speak. God, shut this rain up for the next 39 minutes and one second as I deliver your word and let it fall on good soil. God, thank you so much that the Raiders got Antonio Brown, but they also got another dirty player who's going to get work done. Help them to not be so dirty and not hurt people and help there be no drama in the Raiders' locker room. Help Derek Carr to be a good Christian leader amongst those crazy, crazy group of guys. And help us win the Super Bowl next year because we know it's your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you're not a Raiders fan, come and see me after service. I will give you a great list of local churches in the area. They're fantastic. Um, how many people in the room you love, um, you absolutely love to wait? Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> like, nobody gets psyched to wait. You ever roll up to a restaurant and you're like, hey, what's the wait time? And they're like, like 45 minutes. And you're like, yes. Yes, now we get to sit down at a place that for some reason never has good cell phone service. And we get to stare at each other? Look at the wall? The best option on the table is people watch. Like, watch people eat all the breadsticks at Olive Garden that you want to be enjoying, and you half-heartedly, like, half of you wants to go to them and be like, could I just get one breadstick? Just one, because then I'll give you one of my breadsticks once my breadsticks Because you're just so hungry. Like, I knew for a fact, as soon as I said, how many people want to love waiting? No one was, the room was not going to erupt into praise. Right? Because we... We don't like to, honestly. The other day, I was, um, I was driving to work, and how many people you drive? You actually drive? Cool. Um, even though you may not drive, this still will absolutely be frustrating to you because I know even when I sit in the passenger seat. So but you ever um, get to a stop sign, and the person in front of you that you're waiting on isn't going? Like they're just sitting there? Or, or maybe even you're at a green light, and the person in front of you that you're waiting on is at the green light looking at their phone, not going. And you're like, there's three lights. There's red, which means stop. There's green, which means go. And there's yellow, which means speed up. <laughs> like, and it's when the light's green, go. And if you don't, no joke, with me, you have 0.78 seconds before I lay on the horn because I am not waiting on you. And so the other day I'm driving to work, literally it's like a five and a half minute drive from where I live here to the church where I work. Yes, the church is my full-time job. So 
I'm on my way, and, and we're at a stop sign getting ready to go, and a lady in front of us isn't going. She's just sitting there, and I'm, like, looking around, and I'm like, what's going on? There's no cars coming. There's no, nobody going. We're just waiting, and I could see, like, from her backseat, she was an SUV. I could see her looking down. I'm like, this, this crazy lady's on her phone. Like, get off of your phone. Nah, nah. Get moving, lady. I'm not waiting on you. I'm trying to get to work and do the Lord's work. And so we go, and then, you know, we both turn right, and she gets in the lane that's going straight, and the light's red, and I get in the lane right next to her that's turning left, which is also red. I stop, and I look over. Kid you not, she's sitting there praying the rosary. I was like, wait, you're praying in traffic. What if you got rear-ended? Does that mean God's not protecting you? Like, I don't know. I don't know. It's just like the thought that I had, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, I don't even like waiting on you if you're praying, <laughs> honestly. Like, but the, yeah, here's the thing. Like, we all, none of us like waiting, honestly. This is why when you cook your Hot Pocket, you burn your mouth every time. Because you're like, I already waited two minutes. I'm not waiting another two minutes for, because the instructions say, cook on high for two minutes. By the way, does anybody know how to change the settings on your oh. microwave from like high to medium? never seen that button before cook on high what, what am I gonna what am I gonna cook on like there's nothing else to cook on I'm always gonna cook on high like uh, I'm also gonna lift the Lord on high while I cook on high I don't know what else to do like that's an old Christian song but like like that's why we always burn our mouths on the cup of noodle like by the way did you know they're not called cup of noodles they're just called cup noodles Go look at the cup noodle things next time. It's just called cup noodles. I don't know why we call them cup noodles. We, we hate waiting. But here's what you need to know tonight. You are worth waiting for. You are worth waiting for. If you're a note taker, that's our first point tonight. You are worth waiting for. Look at your neighbor. Tell them you're worth the wait. Now look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second, and tell them you were worth that wait. You are worth the wait. Here's some relationship advice real quick. This, uh, there's been a lot of relationship advice just dropped in to this series throughout the series. Relationship advice. Don't be impulsive. Be patient. So when that person comes around and you're like, whew, well, they're good looking. Awesome. Great. No problem. Don't be impulsive. Be patient. Learn to Wait, and if the person that is interested in you is not willing to wait, let me just tell you now, they're not the one. They're not the one. You are worth the wait. Um, often when we dig into um, this story, the woman at the well, we kind of chop it up to Jesus and the woman sort of bumping into each other coincidentally, and they just so happen to be at the same place at the same time. But that's actually not what happens. That's not even, that's not even what the Bible says. In verse number six, it actually says right here um, that Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily. Everyone say wearily. wearily. Yeah, you say it just as weird as me. Wearily beside the well about noon time. Can I just say, um, first off, that Jesus, um, though tired, though weary, he wasn't sitting there because he was just trying to rest and get comfortable. See, this well was out in the middle of a field, in the middle of the sun. And what time was it? Noontime in the Middle East. Meaning that Jesus just walked to this place in the hottest part of the day and now is sitting in a very uncomfortable situation and place, environment, setting. He could have found a way better place with some shade to go and chill, but he didn't. He was there. Why? Because he was waiting for this woman. Now, I want you to catch this tonight. Jesus intentionally, because Jesus being the creator of the universe, God in the flesh, is actually unable to do things unintentionally. See, it would be contrary to his nature as God in the flesh. And so intentionally, Jesus had his path cross paths with a sinful woman. Now, I don't know what you believe about our God, 
I don't know what you believe about Jesus, and maybe you're in this place, and, and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, and the reason why you wouldn't is because the picture that you have of God, the picture that you have of Jesus is this really, really, really upset old white dude with a long beard waiting to punish you for everything that you did wrong. But instead, our Jesus in this picture is a 30-something-year-old Middle Eastern man Probably still has a beard. I'm just going to throw that out there. When I picture Jesus, I do picture him with a beard. Waiting in the scorching hot sun, even though he's tired and he's weary and he's thirsty and he's hungry, he's sitting there waiting for this woman. Why is this important? Because if he's waiting for this woman, he's also waiting for you. And if the creator of the, did you know the Bible says that it was in, through, and by Jesus that everything was created? Jesus is called the word of God. It says in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. How did God create the entire universe? He said, he spoke. It was in, by, and through Jesus that the entire universe was created. And that guy sits and waits for you, for me. Get the picture. Understand the beauty of this. Well, what does this have to do with the, the fault in our souls, with relationships, with love, sex, and dating? This is what it has to do with it. If the savior of the world, the creator of the universe, is willing to wait for you, but that random boy isn't willing to wait for you, and he ain't the one. And he ain't the one. If that, if that random girl isn't willing to wait, see, when you're, when you're starting to get to know someone and you're like, hey, look, I'm, like, you, you hit him with the, let's take things slow. And they're like, uh, I don't want to take things slow. No, then you know what? If they're not willing to be patient and wait for you, then they don't see the value that's in you and they don't value the way that they should value you. And if they're not willing to wait, like even the son of God waited, then they're not the one move on. Now you might be like, that's harsh, Corey. That's harsh. I don't care that it's harsh. If our savior sits in the scorching hot sun waiting for a sinful woman to come along so he can have a conversation with her, and he waits for you, and he waits for me, then anyone who's saying, like, you're not worth the wait, then they're not worth the wait for you. Move on. Keep going. That's how much the creator of the universe loves you. That guy, that girl, they can wait as well. That's it. That's it for point one. Shortest point I've ever preached in my entire life. Point two. Point two. We got you are worth the wait. You are included. You are included. Write that down. If, if, if you're a if you're a note taker, write that down. You are included. Have you ever been left out of something? Have you ever been excluded? Have you ever, like, not get invited to that party? Not get invited? You, like, for some of you guys, like, you recently didn't get invited to go see Captain Marvel with your friends, and you're still bitter about it? Like, isn't that such, such a, like... Isn't it such a weird feeling to be excluded? Like, you, you jump on Instagram or you jump on Snapchat and you're looking at stories and you're like, wait, they're all there hanging out together and I'm here by myself? Like, isn't it such, like, a weird feeling? Like, but I know you and we're friends, at least I thought. And, like, first of all, cut it out. Like, you're fine. You don't have to be invited to everything. Chill out. You're going to be okay. They're going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. One birthday party that, like, that person's living room has a max capacity of 13 people and two toddlers. Like, chill. It's going to be okay. You don't got to get invited to everything every time. But, like, it is a weird feeling. Um, so, I was in, I was in like, a, a hardcore uh, punk band back in the day, and we were in a Taylor Swift video. Um, have you guys seen the video, I Knew You Were Trouble? Yeah. Have you seen, you see when like she has that whole, I don't know why the music video has like four minutes of some stupid monologue and she's sitting in the middle of a dirt field and some random dude comes around. The random dude's like, no, nobody knows what he's saying because the monologue's happening. I, I picture him saying like, hey, what's up? Want to go to a punk show? And she's like, okay, let's go to the punk 
punk show? And he's like, all right, follow me. And he grabs her like, all right, so this is the punk show. And then they walk in, and then my band is on stage. It's actually my band. Um, we have two pictures of it to show you guys. There's one. And if you, if you look at the, um, you see the, the risers right there? So we had two risers that we always had on stage. We asked them, hey, can we put our risers on stage um, during, like, the set? And they are like, yeah, for sure. And our risers, they actually say heavy worship. That was our gimmick. We were a Christian band called The Great Commission. The Great Commission was in a Taylor Swift video. That's hilarious. And they say heavy worship. Go to the other one real quick. There's the other one. You can see them again. They say heavy worship. There's the, the drum, uh, the drum uh, head that says The Great Commission on it. And... Uh, yeah, so what was that? Man, that's a great question. You also are probably looking at that saying, Corey, which one is you? So what had happened was um, that guy in the middle, his name's Justin, and he works in, ex- he's like an extra in a lot of movies. He's been on like the Sons of Anarchy. He's in one of the Iron Man movies. Um, he's been on a ton of different shows. And, and while we were in the band, he started doing that kind of work and everything. And that's how he ended up coming up on this job. And so originally it was just going to be him like performing on stage as a single artist. And they're like, that doesn't, it's not really working. And he was like, hey, so I'm in a hardcore band and we could bring in the whole band to be on stage. And they, and they, and actually, um, rumors have it, I don't know, but apparently Taylor was the one who said, yes, let's do that. And so he's like, cool. And so the, the booking agent's like, here's what I need you to do. I need you to send pictures of the whole band because we need to approve each and every person. We're looking for a very specific look. So they send, um, Justin sends pictures of all of us to the booking agent who has to decide who's going to be in the video and who's not. And so they get the the pictures of everybody in the band at the time, and they say that two people can't be in the video. The two people being myself and Solomon. Some of you guys know my friend Solomon. So me and Solomon were the only ones who actually listened to Taylor Swift and actually would care to be in the video. You know why they they said that we were going to be excluded and why we were going to be left out? They said, because number one, we didn't have enough tattoos. At the time, I had almost no tattoos, just had my leg tattoo. Solomon had zero tattoos. Number one, you don't have enough tattoos. Number two, neither of you are manly enough. (laughs) Really quick, you see the redhead far left? That was our female guitarist, Angela, who apparently was manly enough. I remember being told, like, so our band is going to be in a Taylor Swift music video, and you're not. I was like, I felt so excluded. Isn't it such a weird feeling to be excluded? Man, in, in, um, in life and in the world, how, how do most people exclude other people? I find it's been in three categories. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write them down because I, I want you guys to see this um, right in front of your face, three, three ways, by race, everyone say race. race, yes I write in all capitals, by race, religion, and gender. Go through the history of time and see, most often when people are excluded, pushed aside, persecuted, forgotten about, overlooked, ostracized. It happens around race, religion, and gender. Let's, let's go back to our story of, of this lady that we're talking about here. What was she? She was race. She was a Samaritan. Religion, what was she? Well, in that day, um, really religion for the Jewish people broke down into two things. There was the Jews and there were sinners. She was a sinner, someone who had been married five different times and now living with someone who's not even her husband. And her gender, she was a woman. In this day and age, women, uh, not only did they not have the right to vote, women had absolutely zero social value whatsoever. So much so, it so, um, it was so bad that in the court of law, if a woman were 
beaten, taken advantage of, anything in the court of law, if she were to go into the courts and say, hey, this person did this to me, and the person she's accusing is a guy, was a male, and that person then walked into the same court and said, I didn't do anything she's saying, she's a liar, then he would be let go and she would be charged, literally like given um, punishment, sometimes as bad as death, for lying. She had zero say. As far even, even women's testimonies. This is why it's so controversial that it was two women who discovered the tomb empty. Because then when people came and said, how do you know that, that Jesus resurrected? They said, oh, two of Jesus' followers found the tomb empty. It's like, really, who? And they said, oh, Mary and Mary. Two girls named Mary discovered the tomb empty. And they're like, oh, women? Yeah. Well, their testimony is valueless. So let's just look at this. Race, she was a Samaritan. Religion, she was a sinner. Gender, she was a woman. This girl was the poster child for excluded. She was as excluded as anybody in that culture, in that day and age, would have been. This is why she was going to the well at what time? Noontime. Because nobody went to the well at noontime. This is why she lived in Samaria. Did you know that Samaria was a city that was literally created for these people called Samaritans because everybody was so racist towards Samaritans that they gave them their own city and said, you go live there because we don't want to be anywhere near you. And there was a journey um, that many, many Jews would take to what they called the Holy Land, that if they were to go through, through Samaria, it would be about four miles but instead, they would go all the way around, which was about 40 miles. That's how racist they were against Samaritans. They said, you are so, we, we hate you so much, we can't even walk through your town. We can't even take your freeway off ramp. No, no, we're going to take a huge journey around you because that's how racist we are towards you. This woman was as, as excluded as anybody in society would have been. And yet here we see... Jesus, including her. Let me just say really quick, if ever you feel the need or the tendency to exclude anybody around race, gender, or religion, know that that is not our Savior's heart. That is not God. That is not the way he works, and that is not the way he operates. So, so what does this have to do with us? First, let me just, let me just tell you, like, where and why, like, it was such a big deal. And first off, can I also say that it wasn't only, um, it wasn't only, like, the bad people that was excluding her. Check out verse, uh, uh, chapter 4, verse number 27. It says, just then his disciples, those were the people following and hanging out with Jesus a lot. The disciples came back and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. Even Jesus' disciples, Jesus' followers, leaned towards the instinct to exclude her and were utterly shocked on why Jesus was including her. Can I just tell you, I wish I could tell you, there will never be any Jesus followers that will try to exclude you and push you to the side and forget about you or tell you that you can't be included in this journey with God. I wish I could tell you that. I wish I could tell you that it would never happen here. I hope it doesn't. I hope it wouldn't. It's rare. But once in a while, there will be Jesus followers who come along who have this, this overwhelming sense of religion on them that they, for some reason, because they sin less, they think they're sinless and think that they can then look at other people as lesser than them, they'll try to exclude you. But please, 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 don't run from Jesus Christ because of Christians. Don't blame. It's like, man, like I really want to do an illustration where I smack somebody right now, but like I'm not 100% sure if like I can do that. Uh, I'm not smacking Nathan. He's, no. Okay, look, come, come here, Andrew. I think you're, because like we've actually like kind of smacked each other playing basketball, but like just by accident. Uh, Marco, you come here too, because I'm not going to smack you. You're, like, I won't. 
he's like, don't smack my face. I have sensitive skin. Like, I'm gonna, I won't smack you hard, I promise. And I'm like, that's a cool shirt. And I'm already like giving you the warning as well. You got the Gucci wallet on you? That's what's up, man. Weird flex, but okay. So like, now, now imagine, wait, you know what? No. This will work better. You smack me. Lightly. Just a little bit. Don't, okay, stop, you guys. First of all, don't be that excited. I said, I said, you smack me, and the room lit up with smiles. Okay, first of all, chill. Just a little one. Oh, that's good enough. I should have mic'd it. Now, what the heck, man? You see how little, I got scared a little bit, <laughs> like instinctively. Uh, like you see, like how confused, okay, one more time, one more smack. I'm gonna mic it this time. Here, you gotta smack, smack above the mic though. Ooh, you hear it? Oh, that one hurt more. What the heck, man? But that's what so many people do. They're hurt by Christians and then they turn to God and they're like, what the heck? And God's like, yeah, me too, man, what the heck? Like, how dare they? Like, you're my kid, and they're going to treat you like that? Don't, oh, my God. You act too. <laughs> Give it up for my guys who both smacked me and played the role of God with curly hair. Please don't do that. Look, on behalf of, of our team, on behalf of the bridge, on behalf of Bridge Youth, if you've been hurt by Christians, maybe even pastors, I'm so sorry. I'm so I'm so sorry that that's happened to you. If you've been gossiped about, if you've been excluded in any way, I'm sorry. But please know, like, that was not our God's heart. That, is, that was not Jesus. Don't make the mistake of blaming him. Because sometimes even Jesus' followers will miss it. There's two ways that is actually pretty incredible that Jesus included a woman that everybody else excluded. Number one, did you know that this... John chapter 4, the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well. In all of the Bible, it is the longest one-on-one -on -one conversation Jesus ever had with anybody. Get the picture. Jesus had best friends. Peter and Jesus were like really close. And this is why we read so much scripture tonight. If you usually come to Bridge Youth, it's like two, three verses and we tackle that mess. Like we read, how many verses was it? 19 verses tonight. Why? Because, and we, we had to skip some because it's the longest recorded one-on-one -on -one conversation Jesus ever had with anybody. Talk about inclusion. When everyone's like, ugh, Samaritan, sinful woman? G -g Get out of the way. And Jesus is like, no, I'm just gonna like sit right here and wait for her because man, I want I want to get to know this girl. But you know she's been married five times, and the person she's living with right now isn't even her husband. That's just some side dude. And he's like, yeah, and I love her so much. I'm going to, like, a really short conversation just isn't going to do. Like it, uh, and I don't even know if Jesus sat there and was like, I'm going to deliberately make this the longest recorded one-on-one -on -one conversation anybody has with me. Did you know also, so, so the New Testament, so the Bible's broken up into two parts, Old Testament, New Testament. The New Testament begins with four books called the Gospels. Those four books are basically about the life, um, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. It's Jesus' story. It's, they're basically a biography of Jesus. And did you know that Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't record this story. Only John, only John did. But John's gospel, known as the evangelical gospel, the gospel for the people and all people, records it and records it as the longest recorded one-on-one -on -one conversation Jesus had with anybody. Talk about inclusion. The next one, this one's maybe even bigger. Did you know that this woman was the first person Jesus ever reveals himself to as the Messiah? The first person. Everybody else, it was all like, like subtle. It was clues. He never just says, I am the Messiah. But you saw in verse, I think it was verse number 26, verse 26 of chapter 4. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. 
he didn't even say that to his 12 disciples. Why? He wanted to include the excluded. Have you ever been excluded? Why is this, what, what does this have to do with love, sex, and dating? What does it have to do with the fault in our souls? Here's what it has to do with. So many people think that they are excluded from God, excluded from his plan, and excluded from his story. Maybe because they've made mistakes, maybe because of their past, maybe because of their race, their religion, or their gender. And, 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 and you're thinking, I'm excluded from God's plan. No, 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 you're not excluded. You are included. And Jesus wanted to speak that into generations to come by including the most excluded person he could find in society in that day. And if you're included in, in God's story and God's plan, you know what that includes with your inclusion? It includes relationships. See, some of you think like, well, I can never have a healthy relationship because I've messed up so many times. Or, 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 or I, can't have, I can't have, like, I can't look forward to a godly relationship because I've taken matters into my own hands. So you know what? I'm now excluded from that. No, 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 no. You're not excluded. You're included. Look at your neighbor. Tell him you're included. Look at your other neighbor. Tell him I didn't mean to exclude you. You're included as well. You are included. My third point tonight, we're talking about you're worth the wait, you're included. My third point, maybe the best relationship advice I could ever give you, don't settle. Don't settle. Don't settle. I see so many people, so many young people settle for relationships that are no good for them. And, and, and they said, like, you've probably heard the saying, less is more. You guys ever heard that saying? Less is more. And I agree with less is more. I think a lot of times in music, less is more. I mean, sometimes, like, I, I go to other churches, and it's kind of rough because, like, like, we are so spoiled with worship here. Like, Pastor Aaron does such a good job. And sometimes you go to, like, a, another church, and the drummer thinks that the whole song is a drum solo. Um, have you guys ever seen the video of Oceans where the guy plays Oceans and it's like, you call me out. Spirit lead me. It's like, bro, less is more. Or like guitar players who like are just, the whole song is. Like, stop. Like, less is, you know, less is more with salt. Like, a little bit of salt, but like you ever go to a restaurant and someone unscrewed the top of the salt and then you, and it's all the salt, please, junior high boys, just not funny, like, not funny, and you don't even get the satisfaction, you don't even see them like pour all the salt, like salt, less is more, you know what else, guys, I'm gonna help you out here, because I love you, gentlemen, I love you, I care about you, cologne, less is more. Especially if you wear Axe. Especially if you, less is, if people are walking up to you coughing and sneezing, there's a, there's a problem. I hope that guy's not wearing a ton of Axe and that's why he's moving his seat. <laughs> but less is more. But with relationships, less is not more. More is more. Right? Like, you don't, you don't go down your list of like, well, I want them to be a Christian who loves Jesus. I want them to have a heart for God's house and want to be involved in ministry. I want them to this, that, and you have all this list. And then over time, you're like, well, I guess, no, I don't need that one either. You know what? While we're at it, let's just take off that he's got to be a Christian. She's got to be a Christian. And then all of a sudden, you're like, well, I guess less is more. No, 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 no not when we serve a God of more, a God of abundance, less isn't more, more is more. And God can go above and beyond all you could ever ask, imagine, or dream of. In, in, in verse number 10, it says, if you only knew the gift God had for you and who you were speaking to, this is Jesus talking, you would ask me and I would give you what? Living water. Verse 13, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water from the well uh, will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give them will never be thirsty again. 
Don't settle for water that'll temporarily quench a temporary thirst. Now look, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you like, like that relationship won't quench a thirst. No, like get in a relationship with that boy and it will, girls, it will, it will, it will quench the thirst for a little bit. Guys, get in a relationship with that girl who you're like, man, she's just the best. She's so cute. She's so hot. And sure, like, she cheated on her last 800 boyfriends, but I'm going to be different. Yeah, no, get in a relationship with her. I'm not going to lie to you and say that it's not going to quench a thirst temporarily. Go to the party. You'll go to the party, and it will quench a thirst. Like, go, go, go vape, and it'll quench a thirst. Go drink. It'll quench a thirst. But all of it is so temporary. It's so bleeding. Do you know, you know what it means, bleeding? It means it's actually running away really quick and it'll only be here for a second. No, yeah, go to those websites and it will quench the thirst, but only for a little while. And then after all of that, after all the relationships and all the drinking and all the partying and all the smoking and all those mistakes, you'll be sitting there feeling more broken than ever before, more, more empty and lost and alone than ever before. So what, what's the answer? Well, the answer then is, well, I guess I have to go back and do all of that again to temporarily have the thirst quenched again, and then I'm back in this lonely, empty, deep, dark place, so I have to go back to it again and again, and it's just this vicious, vicious cycle. Don't chase the thing that will soothe you. Chase the thing that will save you. Chase the thing that's not quick, right here, for a second. What did this woman go to the well for? Well, she was there. She was thirsty. She needed water. But then she would have had to go back the next day. See, because she was, trying, she was trying to quench a temporary thirst, yet all the while she didn't know that she had a date with destiny that was going to quench her eternal thirst. That, that God-shaped puzzle piece in her heart that only Jesus can fill. Don't make the mistake of settling right now. Don't get desperate. Because that water, it's just dead water, actually. It, it's, it's actually pretty funny that uh, today's family time question was, what's your favorite water? I don't know that I have a favorite water. Maybe Vaz. Um, Arrowhead is the worst. Arrowhead tastes like dirt and bear poop, okay? It's grizzly dung and, like, rocks. That's what I feel like I'm drinking when I drink Arrowhead. Arrowhead is absolute garbage. Vaz pretty good. Dasani, love Dasani, but it has one of the highest alkaline levels. Dasani's apparently not good. I don't know. Don't listen to me. I'm just a pastor. Don't sink water. We used to drink water out of the hose, not even like our house. We would just be skating around the neighborhood, be like, thirsty, I'm going to drink from the hose. People would come out, what are you doing? Drinking water from your hose? They'd be like, okay. <laughs> what are you going to do? Like, no, you're stealing our water. Okay, I'm drinking water from a hose. Calm down. Like, don't make me steal the hose. I'll take it. <laughs> no, like, imagine skating away with a hose. Ah, suckers. Like, this is where my ADD hit. Don't. What's the point? <laughs> Get back to the word of God, pastor. Um, don't chase what will soothe you. Chase what will save you. Let me tell you a story. I, I had a friend, um, really is like a little brother to me. His name was Tim Webb. And I'd known Tim since he was about 12 years old, and, and uh, Tim was not close with his family. He had a lot of issues with his family, and I kind of became like an older brother to him. Tim, even though he had at one point two older brothers in our youth group, he was always kind of pushed aside, forgotten about, and excluded. And Tim kind of gravitated towards me, and I sort of, um, I sort of became like a big brother to him and discipled him. Even today, um, I help, I'm like his accountability partner. Uh, I, I disciple him. I mentor him. I kind of walk life with him. And so Tim was about 22 years old, still single, and he sees a bunch of his friends starting to date, um, a bunch of his friends um, getting married, a bunch of his friends in relationships. And at 22, Tim's getting real impatient. And he's like, man, like, like I want a relationship. And he's been talking about it. And I kept telling him, look, man, just wait it out. 
Be patient. God can do above and beyond all you could ever ask or imagine. Just trust God. Put this in his hands. And, and, so, um, and so Tim, at one point, like going through college, strapped for money, he ended up getting a job at Tilted Kill. So you guys know what Tilted Kilt is? It's like the Irish Hooters. So it just is. And so Tim a Christian, is working at Tilted Kill. And, and one time, Tim, he comes over to my house. He's talking to me. He's like, hey, so I met this girl, and she's super hot. She's really cool. I like her. I think I want to get into a relationship with her. What do you think, Corey? First question I ask, her, ask him is, is she a Christian? Always. That would be my first, that's always my first question. And he answers with, well, um, I was like, but there's my answer. My answer is, well, uh, man, like, wait it out, Tim. Just wait. Cause I and I, I felt so specifically this time to tell him, like, if you wait, man, if you just trust God, I, I really believe God will go above and beyond all you could ever ask, imagine, or dream of. Like, just trust him. And then I actually ended the conversation with, but here's the thing, dude, you're 22. You're, you're a big boy. You can make your own decisions. I love you. I'm here for you no matter what. About a month, month and a half later, he, he calls me and he's like, hey, man, I just wanted to connect with you, update you. I decided to take your advice and to wait it out, and I'm not dating the Tilted Kilt bartender. I was like, dude, well, yeah, no, I think that's, that's a good call. Um, and I told him, I was like, dude, I know it's tough. I know you see all your friends, like, in relationships, a lot of them getting married. I get it but just be patient. No joke. He, he walked away from a could-be relationship with a tilted kilt bartender. Fast forward about six, seven months. Tim meets this girl named Val. He meets her at Disneyland. He just randomly saw her in line waiting for, I think it was a churro. I'm not 100% sure. Maybe Bread Bowl. Bread Bowls at Disneyland are sensational. And he literally, he was like, wow, that girl is beautiful. I'm going to go talk to her. And so he, Tim, dweeb. Tim is a dweeb. He's the dweebiest dweeb that ever dweebed in the history of dweebs. Okay? Not kidding. Dweeby Tim goes up to this girl. He's like, hi, um, my name's Tim. I just noticed you from, from across the courtyard, and I just wanted to come say hi. What's your name? And she's like, oh, my name's Val. And they start talking. Turns out Val is a Christian going to APU, Azusa Pacific University, I'm a Christian school pursuing um, a life that she feels God has placed this call on her life. All the while, no joke, she's a Disney princess. She is Cinderella at Disneyland. That's why she was there. She was working later that day. Fast forward about a year, year and a half, Tim Webb, the dweebiest dweeb that ever dweebed in the history of dweebs, marries a Disney wow. princess. This is one of the greatest I told you so stories I have in my arsenal. He went from tilted kilt bartender to Disney princess. Our God can do above and beyond all you could ever ask, dream, or imagine. But imagine he took matters into his own hands and he settled. Don't settle, young person. Don't get desperate. Rather, trust God. Do you know what the most, dangerous, uh, the most dangerous call police officers have to respond to? You would think it's like murder, robbery, assault, uh, grand theft auto. No, it's actually domestic violence. The most officers harmed and killed on call are domestic violence, meaning family, husband, wife, arguments and fights. Why? Because when your life falls apart, you become desperate and dangerous. When your love life is crumbling, you become desperate and dangerous. Don't become desperate because it's dangerous. Trust God. Don't settle. Amen? Hey, band, you guys can start heading up as we close this down. Um, but also, I want to add this in, in, in don't settle. Don't, no, band. He's stoked to worship. It's like, I just want to worship Jesus, my Savior. Hallelujah. You will, my friend. It's on its way. Um, I, don't listen to me here, too. 
I, I know that when I said don't settle, all of you guys thought immediately, yeah, don't settle for somebody that's not God's best. Yeah, don't settle for anything less than God's best. Someone needs to write that down. Don't settle for anything less than God's best. God has a best for you. Don't settle for it. But I'm not even talking about just for relationships. Can I tell you, don't even settle for God's best. Don't even settle for God's best. Because you know it's way better than God's best, God's best blessing he could ever give you. You know it's way better? God's blessing never will compare to God. See, don't settle for God's best and like, I, oh, I, I want a relationship that's God's best for me. And miss out on God. Okay, let me say it like this. I'd way rather have God as my best friend than God's blessing. God can't become the kid who lives on our street with all the cool toys. It's like, oh, well, he's got Xbox and PlayStation, high-speed internet, and Nintendo Switch, and a swimming pool, and he's got, he's got a dirt bike track in his backyard, and little 50s that we go around the dirt bike track on. Yeah, God can't become that person for us. Don't let God become the person that you just go to him for his blessing and you miss God himself because nothing that God could ever bless you with will ever compare with an actual relationship with God. Don't settle, young person. God has so, so much for you, so much for your life. But nothing will ever compare to an actual, real relationship with him. As I close, don't get too excited. It's the first of 47 closings. Just kidding. Um, let me tell you what I told Tim when he was 22. You could do what you want. Well, <laughs> leaders in the room are like, for the love of God, Corey, don't tell these teenagers that. No, you can. You can do what you want. Do what you want. You have freedom. Remember the illustration with the candy bars? And it was, yes, 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 no, yes, yes, yes. And somebody, the one girl, she, she took the no and didn't stop her. You have freedom. You could do what you want. You could date who you want, go where you want. You take matters and life into your own hands. You can. Like, you can do what you want. But ultimately, on the other side of what you want is not what you want. Can I tell you that on the other side of doing whatever you want, it's actually not even what you want. You might think that it is, but it's not. This is why one of, the, one of the prayers I pray the most is, God, I don't want what I want. I want what you want. Because between you and me, God, you know what's good for me way better than I know what's good for me. And if you and I, God, were to both lay, if I were to lay my plan for my life on the table, and then right next to mine, you laid your plan for my life on the table, your plan is way better. You have freedom, but if you are the person who's like immediately already like leaning towards that when I said, yeah, I mean like you can do what you want, and you're like, yeah, and I will. But I love Jesus, but I'm going to do what I want. Well, if you're in the place where you're like, I'm constantly struggling with what God wants and with what I want and with what God wants and, with what, and I just keep seeming to go in my own direction and I can't see, and you're sitting here like, oh, I don't want to sin, I don't want to sin, I don't want to sin, I want to, I, want, I, want, I want to do good and I want to follow after God, I want to produce what the Bible calls good works. But know this, is that good works is a fruit it's not the root. See, it's a fruit of I love Jesus. I love God. And so I'm going to follow him no matter what. See, some of you guys, you don't follow Jesus. Why? Because you don't love him. Not yet. And if you're in this constant battle of like, I'm trying to fight sin. I'm trying to fight sin. I'm trying. Well, you're fighting the wrong fight. It's not about fighting sin. It's about just falling in love with Jesus. Because when you love him, you want to follow him. You want to live for him. You want to... You want what he wants instead of wanting what you want. Did you notice that Jesus never tells this woman 
anything about her behavior, even when he calls her out about the five husbands, the one side dude, he never says, and that's a sin, and you're messed up, and you're wrong, go fix it. No, he just states the facts. Yeah, so you've been married five times, and the guy that you're living with now isn't your husband. You spoke the truth. You, you don't have a husband. Yeah. He never even says, so stop it. Cut it out. And yet her life changes completely. Why? Because she had an experience with Jesus. It wasn't about behavior modification. It was about internal transformation. Some of you are like, the outside isn't changing yet because you haven't allowed Jesus to change the inside. How does he change us? He changes us from the inside out. Some of us are like looking at people like, well, why haven't they changed on the outside yet? Well, because they're still changing on the inside. They're still falling in love with Jesus. Here's the funny thing about this story is that the woman, verse 28, the woman left her water jar there beside the well. Wait, what did she go to the well for? Water. And then she left what she went there for there. Because she realized what I want isn't really what I want. I want what Jesus wants. She left her water jug behind. And then where did she go? It says in verse 29 that she, she went and told everyone, come and see the man who told me everything I did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? She went straight to the people she was avoiding before. Why was she at the well at noontime? Because no one would have been at the well at noontime. And she went straight to the people she was avoiding. Throughout this series, um, we've given like a lot of guidelines, some relationship advice. And like, I've like preached my heart out in some of this stuff. Why? Because I love you guys. I care about you guys. And 99% of the time when someone's derailed from their relationship with God is because they got in a relationship that they never had any business being in. That's why we talk about this stuff. A lot of what we talked about, the guidelines, the rules, what God says, it's like they're like the train tracks, right? That trains are on. And what do train tracks do? They guide the train and they keep a train on track. But imagine a train locked down to these tracks and it's on the tracks, but the train itself doesn't have an engine in it. It's not going anywhere. It's just going to be stuck, sitting there, stagnant, with all these guidelines in front of it, but no way to move forward. Please don't let the fact that this is cliche make you miss the power in it. Jesus is the engine. We can't give you all these guidelines and tell you here's the best way to be in relationship and to do life and to walk life and to live for God and then not give you Jesus. It's like putting a train on train tracks without an engine. Like this woman, this Samaritan woman, it would be stagnant, stuck, going nowhere, doing nothing. What did Jesus tell this woman? He said, hey lady, you've been, I'm gonna bust out the whiteboard one more time and then I promise we're done. We're gonna get to worship. We're gonna sing. We're gonna jump. We're gonna get crazy. It's on its way, buddy. Don't worry. Any second now, I'm with you. All right, so this, Jesus tells this, this lady, you've been married how many times? You guys remember? I'm trying to erase this as much as possible because I'm a perfectionist. So you've been married five times. And then the guy you're living with, you're, you're not even married to that guy. He's just a side dude. So what, what does that equal? Six, right? Okay, good job. You guys can add. <laughs> um, yeah, Temecula, Marietta School Districts. So you're doing your job, kind of. Five plus one equals six. Numbers in the Bible have massive significance. You know what the number six means in the Bible? It's the number of man. It's the number of incompleteness. It's the number that represents weakness so we got we got Sam hold this up for me for a second are you plugged in to your ears you are okay just stand to where they can see it you're good you're good right there okay five plus one five husbands plus one side dude equals six until John chapter four where we've got five husbands one side dude and then Jesus comes along which equals you know what the number seven means in the Bible it means completion on your own 
It's just weakness. In a relationship with God, you're complete. This woman went from guy to guy to guy to guy to guy to guy until she met Jesus and found out she'd only be complete in a relationship with him. What is this whole series? You have a God-shaped puzzle piece in your heart. Allowing God to fill it is where true love Start. See, it's all, it's all about Jesus. It's always all been, always been about Jesus. You thought that this was a, a, a series about relationships. It's not. It's a series about Jesus. Because even if my marriage doesn't point to Jesus, then my marriage is so temporary. It's just water that'll, that'll quench a temporary thirst. But if my marriage is a marriage that glorifies and points people to Jesus, if it glorifies God, then all of a sudden my marriage is doing what it's supposed to. It's all about Jesus. It's always, always been about Jesus. It's about nothing but Jesus. All it is is Jesus. What's the fault in our soul that we would ever chase after anything other than Jesus? Because we'll never have completeness outside of a relationship with Jesus. That's the fault in our souls. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes tonight? Maybe tonight, as I'm sharing that with you, um, you're in here and you're like, you know what, I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus though. And maybe like absolutely accurate, you would say, and I feel completely weak and lost and alone. I feel like there's this, this, this gap and this void in my soul. If that's you, this is your moment and this is your time at the end of this series to do exactly what this series is all about. Getting into a relationship with Jesus. If that's you tonight and you would say, I, I, want, I want that. I want a relationship with Jesus. I want, I want to start that right here, right now because everything else, it just isn't working. If that's you tonight, I'm gonna ask you to respond in a really simple way. In a moment, I'm gonna count to three and when I get to three, I just want you to lift one hand in the air. Right here, in this moment, right now. Tomorrow's not promised to anyone. This is your moment, this is your time. If that's you, when I get to three, just shoot your hand in the air. And that will be the beginning point of your relationship with the only one who can complete you. One, tonight's your night. Two, don't hesitate. Three, all over this place. Raise your hand. Anybody else? Hands going up all over the place. You say, that's me. I feel empty. I feel lost. I feel weak. I feel alone. But right here, right now, I want to give my life. I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want a relationship with him. If that's you, just lift your hand right where you're at. This is the best decision you'll ever make with your life. I promise you that. No decision that you ever make will ever compare. This is it. This is your moment. This is your time. Amazing. Amazing. Anybody else? Just one more moment. Anybody else? You can put your hands down. The Bible says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. That's what we're about to do. But since we're a family, we're going to pray this prayer together. So write out loud. You don't have to scream it, but out loud, right there, right where you're at. Wrap your words around these hearts. Wrap your, wrap your heart around these words right here, right now. Repeat these simple words right after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a Savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. So tonight, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you everything. And from this moment forward, I'm going to follow you. No turning back. No going back. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we welcome people into God's family right now?